Al-Bayan Radio presents The Life of Prophet Muhammad, Peace be upon him Presented by Nidal Ayyubi Bismillah, Alhamdulillah Wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala Assalamu alaikum dear brothers and sisters And welcome back to our lessons On the seerah of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam In our last lesson we briefly spoke about the history of Mecca and the family and lineage of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And we finished off by saying that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was born an orphan. His father died while his mother was pregnant with him Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, He tells us in Surah Al-Duha, Ayah 6, Did he not find you, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, an orphan, and gave you refuge? My dear brothers and sisters, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was born in Mecca on a Monday in Amil Fil in the month of Rabi' al-Awwal. He was born around 50 days after the incident of Al-Fil, or the incident of Ashab al-Fil, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the Quran, and which we spoke about in our last lesson. And as we mentioned, this event grabbed the attention of the people and it increased the status of Mecca and showed its greatness. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected his house from the invading army. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as we said, was born on a Monday. And this comes in the authentic narration found in Sahih Muslim when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was asked about fasting on Monday. He said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, on that day I was born, and on it revelation came down to me. As for the exact day he was born, the ulama differed. But what they did agree upon is that he died, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, on the 12th of Rabi' al-Awwal, in the 11th year after Hijrah. Now regarding Medayan month, as we mentioned, there are many sayings, the most popular being that he was born on the 12th of Rabi' al-Awwal, But there are other opinions that he was born on the 2nd, the 8th, the 10th. Now my dear brothers and sisters, some modern day researchers say that the most correct view, Allahu A'lam, is that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was born on the 9th of Rabi' al-Awwal, corresponding to Monday, the 20th of April, 571 CE, Wallahu A'lam. Now his mother Amina, when she was pregnant with him, she saw in a dream that a light came out of her that reached Syria. And this comes in the hadith where the companions of the Prophet wasallam said to him, O Messenger of Allah, tell us about yourself. He said wasallam, دَعْوَةُ أَبِي إِبْرَاهِيمُ وَبُشْرَ عِيسَى I am the answer to the prayer or the supplication of my father Ibrahim and the glad tidings of Isa. And when my mother became pregnant with me, she saw something as if a light came out of her and illuminated the palaces of Busra in the land of Asham or Syria. And this hadith has been narrated by Al-Hakim, who said, it is Nadi Sahih, although Bukhari and Muslim did not narrate it, and Al-Dhahabi agreed with him, Rahimuhullah. This hadith is also authenticated by Sheikh Al-Albani, Rahimuhullah. Now my dear brothers and sisters, in regards to the saying of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Da'wa to Abi Ibrahim wa Bushra Isa, I'm the answer 
to the prayer or supplication of my father Ibrahim. This is referring to the ayah in Surah Al-Baqarah, ayah 129, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about the dua that Ibrahim made to him. Send amongst them a messenger of their own. And indeed Allah answered this dua by sending Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, who shall recite unto them your verses and instruct them in the book, meaning the Quran and al-hikmah and sanctify them. Verily you are the Almighty, the All-Wise. Ibrahim alayhi salam made dua for the people of Mecca for Allah to grant them security and provision. And it was then perfected by asking Allah to send a messenger from his offspring. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answered the dua of Ibrahim by sending the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam to them, to the people of Mecca and to the whole world in general. As for the Bushra of Isa or the glad tiding of the Prophet Isa alayhi salam, this is mentioned in Surah Saf ayah 6 where Allah tells us, Remember when Isa, or Jesus, the son of Mary, son of Maryam, said, O children of Israel, I am the messenger of Allah unto you, confirming the Torah which came before me, and giving glad tidings of a messenger to come after me, whose name shall be Ahmed. But when he, meaning Ahmed or Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, came to them with clear proofs, they said, This is plain magic. Now, Ibn Kathir rahimahullah, he commented on the dream that Amina saw in which he saw a light that illuminated the castles of Asham. He said, rahimahullah, the specific mention of Asham as being the place where his light shall appear points to how Islam will have a stable and firm footing in the lands of Asham. In the end of times, Asham will be a stronghold of Islam and its followers. And it is there that Isa, Jesus, alayhi salam, the son of Maryam, will descend, meaning in Damascus, at the white minaret on its eastern side. Now the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was named Muhammad. And his name is also Ahmad. And both the names Muhammad and Ahmad are two names derived from Alhamd, which means praise. And Muhammad meaning the one who is 
or who deserves to be praised repeatedly. And Ahmad meaning the person most deserving of praise and whose praise of his Lord is more excellent than the praise of those who praise him. Now my dear brothers and sisters, the Prophet has other names which have been mentioned in the authentic ahadith such as Al-Mahi, the one through whom this belief was wiped away and Al-Hashir, the one after who the people will be resurrected and Al-Aqib, the Prophet after whom there will be no other. And these names are found in the hadith in Bukhari and Muslim in which the Prophet said Inna li asma'an ana Muhammad wa ana Ahmad wa ana al-mahi alladhi yamhu Allahu bihi al-kufr wa ana al-hashir alladhi yuhshar an-nasu ala qadamay wa ana al-aqib alladhi laysa ba'dahu ahad I have several names I am Muhammad and I am Ahmad and I am al-mahi the eraser by means of whom Allah erases disbelief and I am Al-Hashir, the gatherer, at whose feet the people will be gathered. And I am Al-Aqib, the last, after whom there will be no other. Also, another name is Nabiul Rahmah, the Prophet of Mercy. And Nabiul Tawbah, Prophet of Repentance. And also, Al-Muqaffi, which means the one who follows on from the previous Prophets. And all these names of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam are found in the following hadith in Sahih Muslim where the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says Ana Muhammadun wa Ahmadu wal Muqaffi wal Hashiru wa Nabiyyul Tawbah wa Nabiyyul Rahmah I am Muhammad, I am Ahmad, I am al Muqaffi and Hashir and the Prophet of Repentance and the Prophet of Mercy and his name Nabiyul Malahim or the Prophet of the Fierce Battles is mentioned in the Shama'il of At-Tirmidhi and has been declared Hassan by Shaykh Al-Albani Rahimuhullah. Now my dear brothers and sisters, there comes in a report, although it is weak from the Hadith point of view, that Abd al-Muttalib, the grandfather of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, is the one who named him Muhammad. And in keeping with the Arab tradition, he also shaved his head and circumcised him on the seventh day, afterwards he invited his fellow Meccans to a feast. Now my dear brothers and sisters, as for his nursing, he was first nursed by his mother Amina, and then by Thuwayba, the freed slave of his uncle Abu Lahab. Now at that time Thuwayba was also nursing her own child, whose name was Masruh, as well as Hamza bin Abdul Muttalib, the uncle of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and also Abu Salama, the cousin of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And it's also mentioned, my dear brothers and sisters, that Abdullah ibn Jahsh was also breastfed by Thuwayba. Now all of them became foster brothers of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, or in other words, brothers from Rida'a, brothers through breastfeeding, as they were all nursed at the same breast, meaning the breast of Thuwayba. Now my dear brothers and sisters, it was a custom of the Arabs that they would send their children or their newborns to the desert to be looked after by the Bedouin woman who would raise them for a couple of years in the desert. Now the Meccans believed that the unspoiled rugged desert environment would make the child stronger and healthier and also that the child would learn the purest form of Arabic spoken throughout Arabia. And the lady who was the nursing mother of the Prophet ﷺ was Halima al-Sa'diyya from the tribe of Banu Sa'ad bin Bakr bin Hawazin. He stayed with her for four years and he bring her many blessings ﷺ. And from time to time Halima would visit 
with the Prophet وسلم, his mother Amina in Mecca and then return to the desert. Now, Halima had many children as well. And all these children also became the Prophet's foster brothers and sisters or brothers and sisters from Rida'a and from them was Abdullah and Al-Shayma. Now Hamza as well radiallahu an was also breastfed by Halima and also Abu Sufyan bin Harith bin Abdul Muttalib another cousin of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was also breastfed by Halima As-Sa'diyya. So Hamza radiallahu an was a brother from Rida'a to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam through Halima and also through Thuwayba. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam stayed with Halima until he was four years old when a miraculous incident happened. And that is the incident of the splitting of the chest of the Prophet ﷺ. In Sahih Muslim, in the hadith of Anas an, the story of the Prophet ﷺ's chest being opened is mentioned. Anas ibn Malik said, an, while the Messenger of Allah ﷺ was playing with some other boys, Jibreel came to him took him, forced him to the ground, and split him open, revealing his heart. Jibreel extracted his heart, removed from it a blood clot, and said, This is the portion of shaitan, or the devil in you. He then washed the heart of Zamzam water in a tray made of gold. He then joined the heart together and returned it to its place. The other children hurried off to his mother, meaning his mother from breastfeeding, Halima. They said to her, Verily Muhammad has been killed. They all rushed towards him and found him safe, except that his face was pale. Anas an continued to say, And I used to see the marks of that stitching on his chest. My dear brothers and sisters, there are many lessons and benefits and wisdoms we gained from the incident of the opening of the chest, such as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala purified the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from shaitan or Satan's influence at an early age and this was indeed an early sign of prophethood it was also preparation for protecting the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam from evil and from worshiping other than allah only pure islam only pure tawheed was to remain in his heart sallallahu alaihi wasallam for the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in his youth and before prophethood never bowed down to an idol this incident also shows us my dear brothers and sisters the degree to which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and prevented shaitan or the devil or Satan from having any influence over him whatsoever. And my dear brothers and sisters, after this incident, Halima got worried about Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, so she returned him to his mother. Now Amina was surprised by this due to the fact that Halima had been very keen to keep the boy, meaning Muhammad, as long as possible, as he bring her and her family a lot of blessings. But now she returned him to his mother after this incident. And for the next two years, he grew up under his mother's care. Now when he was six, his mother went to visit her relatives in Yathrib or in present-day Medina. And Umm Ayman Baraka accompanied them on this journey. Now after a month in Yathrib, they began their long journey back to Mecca. But on the way, Amina fell ill and passed away. And she died at Al-Abwa' and was buried there. And Al-Abwa' is a place between Mecca and Medina. Now many years later, and some reports mentioned, during the year of Fatah Mecca, 
in the eighth year after Hijrah, the Prophet wasallam asked Allah to visit his mother's grave and he was allowed. And he also asked Allah to be able to supplicate for her and to intercede for her, but he was not allowed wasallam. In Sahih Muslim, my dear brothers and sisters, the Prophet wasallam visited the grave of his mother and he wept, he cried. And those around him also wept and cried. So he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, I sought permission of my Lord to seek forgiveness for her, and he did not grant me permission. And I sought permission to visit her grave, and he granted me permission. So visit the graves, for they will act as a reminder of death. So now the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had lost his father while his mother was pregnant with him, and at the age of six, his mother passes away. He was looked after by Umm Ayman, who as we said was a servant belonging to him, whom he inherited from his father. Then he was taken into the guardianship of his grandfather, Abdul Muttalib, who loved his grandson dearly, even more than his own children. But only two years later, when the Prophet ﷺ was eight years old, his grandfather passes away, and he moves to the care of Abu Talib. And Abu Talib was the full brother of Abdullah, the father of the Prophet ﷺ. They shared the same mother, whose name was Fatima bint Amr. My dear brothers and sisters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He decreed that the Prophet ﷺ should be raised an orphan. Thus as a child, the Prophet ﷺ did not have parents who spoiled him or riches that made for a soft and easy upbringing. The Prophet ﷺ faced many calamities even as a child. In addition to not having ever met his father, he first lost his mother and then his grandfather. So hardships, my dear brothers and sisters, helped make him sensitive to the pains of others. For sadness purifies the soul from hardness and arrogance and increases it in softness and humbleness. So the Prophet ﷺ's parents, as has been mentioned, died in their 20s. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's decree is best for he took their souls only after they fulfilled the task for which they were created. And this should be a comfort, my dear brothers and sisters, for every orphan, knowing the early life of the Prophet ﷺ. For despite being an orphan, the Prophet ﷺ had lofty manners and characteristics. For as an orphan, the Prophet ﷺ developed a high level of determination, so he depended upon no human being in his affairs and that no human being could interfere in his training and development are some of the reasons why the Prophet ﷺ was born an orphan. My dear brothers and sisters, it was Allah alone who took care of the Prophet's training and upbringing. The Prophet ﷺ was not influenced in the least by the beliefs and traditions of jahiliyyah or pre-Islamic ignorance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provided the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam with the care of his grandfather and uncle to facilitate his worldly or material welfare. But as for his spiritual welfare and his moral training, it was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who was taking care of him. Abu Talib, my dear brothers and sisters, was a very well-respected figure in Mecca amongst the tribe of Quraysh. And Abu Talib loved his nephew as if he were his own son. And he put him with his children, but he preferred him, meaning Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, over them. And as we shall discuss bi'idhnillahi ta'ala, in later years, he would stand firm to protect the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam from the Quraysh. Now the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam 
also brought a lot of blessings to the household of his uncle. For Abu Talib was not the wealthiest of men, but the Prophet ﷺ brought him a lot of blessings. So much so that Abu Talib now found that he could support his family easily with a small amount of wealth. Now Abu Talib did not like to leave the Prophet ﷺ at all. So even when he traveled, he took him with him. And from these journeys was Abu Talib's journey to Asham for business. When the Prophet ﷺ was around 12 years old, Abu Talib went as part of a trade caravan to Syria. And he took his nephew Muhammad ﷺ with him. Now when the caravan reached Busra on the border of Syria, the travelers broke their journey for a short stay. Now a monk by the name of Bahira, who lived in this city, he came to welcome the caravan. He walked past all of the travelers and approached the young Muhammad who he said was around 12 years old at the time. Holding Muhammad's hand, he said, This is the chief of the world and the messenger of the Lord. God has sent him as a mercy for all of mankind. They asked him, Why do you say this? Bahira said, When he came, this side of the pass, stones and trees bowed in prostration. They do not prostrate for anyone other than a prophet. Moreover, I recognized him from the seal of prophethood, which lies like an apple on the soft bone below his shoulders. It is mentioned in our scriptures. Now Bahira then held a feast in honor of the caravan, and later on he took Abu Talib, the Prophet's uncle, aside and pleaded with him not to take the Prophet ﷺ any further. He urged him to send his nephew back to Mecca, for he feared that the Jews and Romans might recognize him as the promised messenger, in which case he felt Muhammad's life ﷺ would be endangered. So Abu Talib took the advice of this monk and sent Muhammad back to Mecca sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now my dear brothers and sisters, this report of Bahira the monk is in Sunan al-Tirmidhi who declared it as Hassan and likewise al-Hafidh ibn Hajar and others authenticated these reports such as ibn Kathir, al-Hakim and Sheikh al-Albani. May Allah have mercy on all of them. While others declared this incident as being weak such as Imam al-Dhahabi rahimahullah. Wallahu alam. Now my dear brothers and sisters, the story of Bahira has many lessons and benefits. Firstly, we learn that not all priests and rabbis distorted their revealed books. There were some among them, albeit a very few in number, who were sincere and truthful and who openly acknowledged that Muhammad was indeed a messenger to all of mankind. And they knew this from the signs and descriptions that they found in their revealed books. Secondly, my dear brothers and sisters, by the command of Allah, inanimate objects would honor the Prophet ﷺ, as has been established in various authentic hadith. Some narrations, my dear brothers and sisters, describe how a particular stone would greet the Prophet ﷺ. Other narrations describe how a tree wept when the Prophet ﷺ stopped delivering sermons beside it. And in the narration of Bahira, for those who authenticated it, it describes how trees and stones performed prostration to the Prophet ﷺ as a way of honoring him. And finally, Bahira, the monk, knew that if the Romans found out about him, about the Prophet ﷺ, they would kill him. And this was significant, my dear brothers and sisters, because at that time, the Roman Empire was a superpower. And the power of the Roman Empire extended to the lands of the Arabs, especially Asham. 
meaning Syria and its surrounding regions. And so the Romans knew that the awaited messenger who was to come from the Arabs would bring an end to their control over the region. Since the Prophet ﷺ was a threat to the interests of their empire, the Romans both feared him and desired to first find him and then kill him. With that, we'll conclude today's lesson, my dear brothers and sisters. Insha'Allah, in the upcoming lesson, we'll speak about the Prophet ﷺ as a young adult, his occupations, his marriage to Khadija, and the time period before prophethood. Allahu alam wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam wa alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.